Welcome to the podcast, the podcast that still exists. Yes, we do. In and, uh, I, <laughs> what do we call it, Tim? In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name's Tim. And my name is Marshall. I threw in that little curveball for myself, just I was going to be smooth. and <laughs> It was not. So, are we out of practice, Tim? Is this what happens when we take a week off? We have taken more than a week off, haven't we? Well, we've only missed one week. In near <laughs> in December, as far as our listeners know, we've only December taken December of twenty nineteen. Mm. We recorded our first podcast. It's true, and we never missed a week until last week, August twenty twenty three. I messed it up. Well, I mean, you were sick, man. You were sick, and I was busy, and it just didn't. It just, we couldn't. We couldn't yeah. make it work, man. We just couldn't yeah. make it work. It is what it is. Have grace for us, guys. We tried. We tried. We had such a good... We went over 200 episodes. Also, we missed our 200 <laughs> episodes. Happy 203. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex Yay. kept reminding us. He's like, you, know, you guys do know this is episode 200. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll mention something. And then subsequently forgot to do that. And then again for the next like three weeks in a row. So yeah, happy 200 and something. Um, everyone. Yeah, it's 203, 204, something like that. That's great. Yeah. We did a th- good, we've been good doing round a thing. number. Good round number. That's right. <laughs> we should get like a cake at like 207. <laughs> or just pick an arbitrary number in the future. Like once we get. Once we get to 217. Yeah. Perfect. We'll, we'll do a giveaway. We'll do a giveaway. <laughs> we'll make t shirts. Free episode. <laughs> Free episode. <laughs> oh, free boy. episode with no topic, just rambling. Just oh man, people might like that though. I don't know. You yeah. guys let us know if you want that. No prep necessary. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, yes. The last installment mm. in our beautiful series. Mm. Mm-hmm. I reminding everyone because it has been a while mm. that when we say beautiful, we don't just mean aesthetically pleasing, although it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we mean is desirable. Is it the more desirable option, the Christian option, the more desirable option? Mm-hmm. And today we're going to talk about the gospel, mm, the beauty of the gospel. But we need to define the gospel. Ooh. What is the gospel? Because <clears throat> why, why are you go looking ahead. at me? Go ahead. Funny? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you have this in your notes? And I'm no, 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 no. You go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I no. I'm just. I'm just being silly. Just. Just continue. You. You seem excited. Like you're I ready just, to. I know. I just do a s- boom. Gotcha. No. I. Tim w- didn't know the gospel, and I do. <laughs> and I was. I got to correct him on no, the on the air. I was just genuinely cur- curious about what direction we're going. We're if we're gonna do the whole like this is what the word means thing, or if we're just gonna. I, I would say just quickly. Yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah. yeah in okay. passing, the word means good news. It does. I think that's pretty commonly known mm-hmm. uh euangelion mm-hmm. is the word um sometimes people get really excited about the concept of the gospel and they talk about a number of things that are gospel adjacent but are not the gospel right yeah i would agree with that and and that needs to be nailed down mm. just because euangelion means the good news doesn't mean that all good news is gospel that's true yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, not in the Christian context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not the gospel. Yeah. It, yeah. it can be good news. Sure. Right. You have to say this because there are those who would take a more social approach in a way that they would say uh, some not even not even just mainline liberal theology that goes hard into social ministry above well what we would call a gospel right. ministry. Um, not only not only just there, but even even a growing number of evangelical mm-hmm. groups doing the whole like, well, the gospel is whatever's good news to them. And bringing, bringing someone hope is good news, and that's what Jesus does. No, the gospel means a specific thing. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul has the need to say and the leverage to say, if anyone brings you another gospel other than the one that I've brought you, even if it's me or an angel from God, dismiss it. Yep. 
right? Because there are other things that are good news right? that are not the gospel per se. Sure, yeah. Right? So just because it's good news doesn't mean it's the gospel. The, the death, burial, the story of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is a genre of writings called the gospels, mm-hmm. but the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not the gospel, per se. No, no. Um, the cross itself is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. It is where a major aspect of the gospel is played out. Yeah. It's where we find our atonement. Yeah, it's the a re- key part, but it's right. not the gospel. The itself. resurrection is not the gospel. Nope. Nope. It is God's claim of victory over our enemy. Mm. Man, that's good news. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? What is the gospel? Mm. So the gospel involves those things, but it's more than those things. The gospel is the fact that God through Christ is able to redeem fallen humanity to himself. By grace. Yeah, by grace through faith. Um, That is, you know, that is kind of stripped down like that's that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, How people would define that, like what people's definition would be if you asked, you know, 10 different people write down what the gospel is, it's going to look different. They're going to bring different elements into it because the gospel is more even than just, you know, what we read in the gospels, Mm -hmm. right? Like what God is doing, there is a sense in which what God is doing throughout the Old Testament is part of the gospel. It's just, it's kind of, it's buried and it kind of pokes its head out here and there, or it's kind of going on behind the scenes and got, you know, it's kind of being woven through the different characters and events and, and situations in, you know, in the, the Old Testament. And then it's also kind of carried on after the life of and ministry of Christ, right, into, you know, into the epistles and into the book of Revelation as well. Like the culmination of the gospel happens at the end, but it's, it can really be as broad. You can only go so narrow with it because there's certain elements that are irreducible. There's an mm-hmm. irreducible complexity to the gospel. Um, but you can go pretty broad with it. Yeah, and, and that's where I, I would wrap a disclaimer around if you asked 10 people to write it, they would write different things. Yeah. They would word it in different ways. Sure. Uh, but there are right and wrong answers to what is the gospel. Sure. And uh, there are things that are necessary to be present and things that are not. The, mm-hmm. I, I would say probably the most basic, the, the most mere form mm-hmm. of the gospel is God has made a way to redeem man from a debt that he cannot pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. How that how that displays itself throughout all of Scripture, through mm-hmm. theology, um, is the means to what took place. Mm-hmm. But that's not the thing itself. Yeah. Right. If you say if you say I made a phone call, mm. right, you'd be like. That's the thing. There's a whole backstory. Why did you call this person? What prompted you to call? Why this person and not another person? How does the cell phone work? Where did the mm-hmm. cell phone come from? What were the, what, There's a lot of backstories and ways to get to where it is. And, and that's where we have all of those inter, interweaving pieces, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the thing itself, the gospel, mm-hmm. is God has made a way to redeem man from a debt that he can't pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the debt that he can't pay part, because I was going to say a lot of people, I think rightly, like nowadays in particular, are rightly kind of emphasizing the need to include the bad news when presenting the good news, mm-hmm. right? Because people don't instinctively understand what the what the good news is resolving. I right. mean, in your definition, right, this debt that we can't pay, right? This idea that the fallen nature of man, that we're sinful before God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that there are, you know, the, the penalty of sin is death and and all of that, right? So um, there's been a good move towards that. I think we almost, especially in our culture, we kind of, we need to move towards that as we're explaining the gospel, as we're doing apologetics with people and trying to help them understand, like, it's like, well, Jesus wants to save you from your sins. It's like, well, first off, what's sin? And why do I need to be saved from it, right? So right. we don't have to get into all that right now, but I think it's, it's yeah. that's a part of it, like, because the, like, the good news is a response to a bad situation. 
Yeah, because that's just even the nature of it, right? Yeah. It, 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 to say I have good news acknowledges a foundation of things that aren't good. Yeah. Right. Something yeah. has gone wrong that we need good news for. Yeah, like the, the a, a change. The way like the word the word euangelion would have been used like by like Greek historians before the New Testament was written is like, you know, you get bad news that Persia has invaded Greece. And then there's a battle, and the good news, you get the euangelion, you get the gospel from the messenger who comes back saying, we defeated the Persians. Like, that's mm-hmm. the good news, right? The, the, the thing to be celebrated in light of the, the bad news that came before. Yeah, and, and I think you, you mentioned that, that, I, that I also included the bad news in there as well. Um, part of it, too, is it has to, your, your expression of the gospel has to include that it's something that happened outside of you. Mm. And and that is necessary, particularly in today's world, because part of what we're going to do today, there, the concept of is it beautiful, is it the more desirable option, mm. is to say what are the other options that the world is putting out there, mm. and um, the option the world puts out there is either saved from what I don't need to be saved, right, or forgiven. I'm fine. Sure, I mess up, but don't we all? Um, or it's within you. You got this. Mm-hmm. And and I think I I think today we're going to realize those just aren't good options. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 really helpful actually to 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 mention because there's an element of that obviously that's kind of bled its way into the periphery of Christianity and, mm-hmm. and we we hear those kind of things sometimes, right? The whether like the, the downplaying the judgment, downplaying the bad news, right? downplaying mm-hmm. sin um you know you kind of have a drift from kind of this idea of the permanence of of hell to kind of an annihilationist view and then kind of now to something you know even it doesn't really exist or kind of a universalism these this kind of idea has what it does is by downplaying the badness of the bad news it actually eviscerates the goodness of the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a thing that exists in places that call themselves churches, n- you know, even in our own backyard, so to speak. Um, yeah, and it's not a Christian worldview at all. No, it's not. It's it's not even, I, I would say it's not a genuine secular worldview. Mm. Um, I would say it's an ostrich worldview. Head <laughs> in the same Right? Yeah. We're um, all good. You're all good. Right. And and I, I would say even, even the world... In, in in the secular society where these kinds of things would be said, you're fine, I'm fine, we're titanium, we're bulletproof, mm. I'm a Porsche with no brakes, I'm unstoppable, <laughs> I win every single game. Great song. Great singer. Great singer, yeah, maybe not great song. Um, You know that's not true. No. Deep down. No. You don't win every single game. Yeah, there's no way. There's a reason we Nobody have, does. There's a reason we as a society have adopted New Year's resolutions. <laughs> it's like, I'll try again. Why? Right. Why am I trying again? Because I failed every time. Right. And I'm going to try again. Mm-hmm. Right? Even, even the notion that we would tell people, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's within you. Mm. Acknowledges... The person doesn't know this and needs to change. Mm. Things aren't all right. Right. And even even the person telling them no things are all right is still changing the circumstance. Right. Which right. acknowledges a need for change. Right. And so it's not even a, a solid secular worldview to say we don't need to be saved from. Because mm-hmm. even those who would say no, it's within us to do it are still recognizing like there needs to be change. Right. Yeah. I, I would say if if ever there was a universal thought mm-hmm. that would be accepted at the table of all possible worldviews, it would be that things could change for the better. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. means we need a plan and a means to change for the better. Mm. Which would be really good news. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, so then addressing that other, the other issue that you said, because I think I want to set, talk about that to set up getting into what you want to talk about with it being outside of ourselves. But this idea that the answer is within us, right? 
that that we can find the answer within us. Um, this is something that you know finds its way onto Christian bookshelves, mm-hmm. right? This is something that is is marketed and sold, and people eat this stuff up. Like I, to be, I, I'm going to cut in here. Okay, I thought that when Joel Osteen published Your Best Life Now, he had published the worst possible Christian book title ever. (laughs) In a Christian worldview, to make the statement, your best life now, knowing that eternity, free from sin, in perfect relationship with God and earth, is an option. Mm-hmm. He's literally saying, this is how you enjoy what you got for now, and you'll find yourself in a lesser option later. Mm-hmm. Um, which really kind of just says, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. We'll find ourselves in hell. Right. right? It, right. it doesn't acknowledge the better option of heaven. And when that book came out, it was like 2006-ish. I don't know. Sounds right. I thought there can there will never be a worse Christian book title than that. And then he publishes The Power of I Am. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first century church would have seen that and they would have been like the power of the ego ami. Yeah. The uh, yes. Yeah, sure. Yahweh. Yeah. The power of Yahweh. Yeah. And then to open it up and realize that he meant the power within, the power to say, I am, and whatever we declare, if we say it enough, will eventually become true. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This. So, Joel, this is the thing that boggles my mind about him and, and a few others kind of in that in that campus. Like, they almost seem like... It almost seems comical. Like almost seem like a satirical character. Like how how can we create a character that's going to push the most unchristian things under the veneer of Christianity mm-hmm. so that we could laugh at it? Like it's remember when like Stephen Colbert used to pretend to be, you know, right wing even though he wasn't and it was funny? Right. Like it seems like someone trying to be pretend to be a Christian in a way that's obviously not mm-hmm. real and therefore funny. It, and it does feel like the most famous. It does pastor. feel it does feel like he would go out of his way to, to choose these themes. Right. Yeah. Like it's like it's it's the you know, bold, bold move. Yeah, I'm just looking at other titles. Uh I declare is another one uh of his big of his big books and you know next level thinking and anyways. Mm-hmm. It's a whole, yeah, it's a whole thing. So the, 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 this idea though, that like the, the power, uh, for redemption, the power to, to save is within yourself, um, is inherently anti-gospel. Um, if it were, if it were possible to please God, if it were possible to redeem ourselves on our own, then it would have made the cross unnecessary mm-hmm. um it also makes the it also makes for a flaw then in romans a huge one where he talks about our inherited sin mm-hmm. uh it it misunderstands sin entirely sin comes in a, in a variety of of packages so what it says is egregious omission egregious expressions of sin mm. could be avoided because of the power within me. What it doesn't acknowledge are sins around me. Mm-hmm. When Isaiah stood before a throne room of God, he not only said, what was me because I'm a man of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. He also said, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, the Old Testament law shows us that it's not only what we commit in our participation with sin that taints us before a holy and righteous God. It's also those things that go on around us that corrupt us. Yeah. That's why so many of the laws have, if you if you touch a dead body, there's mm-hmm. a period of time that you have to wait before mm-hmm. you can come back into society and, and 
rituals of worship and things like that. Yeah. So it, it ignores that. It also ignores the the portion of Amartya that is just falling short mm-hmm. of glory, mm-hmm. and and that notion of well, I'm not perfect, but mm-hmm. like well, no, to be in fellowship with perfection you have to be perfect. Otherwise, there mm-hmm. is no fellowship of perfection. Mm-hmm. There is, we're just back at the garden again, right? And so all of those, I just missed the mark kind of things are, are being ignored in that as well, mm-hmm. right? That is, that is the essence of Pelagian's argument. Right. If we go back to Pelagius, yeah. his argument was all people need God and need the cross because they have sinned, yet Hypothetically, mm. it's n- not necessary if someone could live a sinless life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Misses the concept of external factors mm-hmm. and uh, just, I mean, that's how Paul words it, right? All have sinned and fallen short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. So, okay. So then let's get into, let's get into the beauty that of the gospel as it operates apart from us mm-hmm. because then I, I've got some things that we can close with after just kind of breaking down aspects of the good news that we can how and how those things are good and beautiful. But let's, let's talk about the big, the big picture item um, of, yeah, that this, that the power is not within us and yet the power is still there. Mm-hmm. The opportunity is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that beautiful? What makes that beautiful? I, I would start with asking people to to genuinely ask themselves the question, do you believe the powers within you? Think about think about the the most trivial things in your life that you would like to change about yourself. Mm-hmm. That you've been working on for as long as you can remember. And yet it's there mm-hmm. and it pops up and the thing happens that those those portions of self where you stand before god and you just say i'm embarrassed to be here because it's me again and it's that thing again mm-hmm. mm. maybe i know this has happened to me maybe it's even so entrenched that you find yourself in seasons where you're like i'm going to stop praying about this because at this point it just feels like a joke right? Yeah. that I would be here again. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just I should go to the gym. Yeah. Maybe it's just I should watch the way that I eat. Mm-hmm. I should wake up earlier. Mm-hmm. All of these little things in life that you want to change about yourself that you just aren't able to do. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself failing on that. And so so the question is, is it is it a good news that it's up to you to change things? <laughs> no. Not at all. Is it good news to say you know, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps because the answer is you. I, I would say not only is it not good news, I would say it's victim blaming. It can be. Because yeah. because the outcome of that argument mm-hmm. is not just it's within you to make the change. The outcome is the reason you're suffering is because you were either ignorant or impotent in bringing about the change. Right, right. So yeah. whose fault is it that you struggle with depression? Mm-hmm. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. The power to overcome depression is within you, and the fact that you have... This just thought, like, if anybody wanted to snip out, like, take a sound bite and then throw <laughs> it on social media out of context... This is what Tim this said. Is, this is the moment, <laughs> right? You're struggling with anxiety and depression? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's your fault mm. because it's within you. Right, right, right. And if you would just claim or realize or dig deeper, then you wouldn't deal with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's your fault. Not only is it your fault, but it will persist until you figure it out. Yeah. It almost reminds me a little bit of like certain forms of Eastern mysticism and the, the, like the Hindu uh, notion of karma, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because it's like, oh, your station in life is based on your earlier performance. Now, in their case, they, they, they kind of enter in the extra step of multiple lives, but mm-hmm. where you're at is entirely dependent on your earlier performance. Now, we can still, as good Bible-believing Christians, acknowledge that there is a degree of, like, sometimes our sin or sometimes our issues can be caused or exasperated by our sin. We, we like, that's a right. thing. Yeah. Yep. But, but to just kind of put this blanket statement of like, everything, everything is like, just everything you, you struggle with is just a lack of you accessing the inherent power within you to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so, just just do it. Just unlock that part of your brain and and do whatever it is you need to do. And like, it's just yeah, it's just not it's just not how it works. Yeah, and, and someone's gonna r- want to run with this, and they're gonna be like, "Are you saying that there's nothing a person can do to change?" Of course, of course, not. you can get better sleep at night. You can start exercising. Yeah, right there, yeah, there are course. very simple things you can do to yeah. help your mental state with. Uh, anxiety and depression. There are there are things that you can work through with with counseling, and there there are things that you can do. But to say to someone it's all within you mm-hmm. is is condemning. Yeah, and, and and I would say, um, not only is it condemning on the person who is in this place, but it's not hopeful mm. because let's say let's say it were true. You have the power within you to change your state from here on. Mm. What we struggle with the most, that's a sweeping thing. I understand how broadly that net has been thrown. Mm. What we struggle with the most is not necessarily where we're at or where we're headed, but what we've done. Mm. And even if it was within me to change where I'm at and where I'm going... It's not within me to change my past. Right. I can't fix where I've been. Mm-hmm. I can't undo what's been done. And most of the people that I talk with that are struggling with anxiety and depression, uh, more depression than anxiety, but mm. it's a reflection. Right. Something they're struggling to get over that happened then. And that worldview has no answer except for move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we recognize, no, you know what? Move on. Move on isn't helpful because I really hurt someone. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good point to make. Yeah, I mean, our the human inability um, to reconcile ourselves to God is something that we just, we have to... We have to just acknowledge as Christians, like it's just a core part of our worldview, right? We ought to be in relationship with God. We are not. We are, you know, we're at fault. We we are at fault to some degree for for that for breaking that um, for rebelling against Him. But there is nothing. There's nothing we can do ultimately to to build that bridge on our own. Um, we can't, you know. We can't undo what we've already done, um, and we can't we can't walk in perfection, even if we even if we really 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 wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just no way because, as you mentioned, right? There's not not just like the polluting nature of sin, um, but also like you know we've talked about this before, like sins of om- omission. Yeah. Right. Right. Like right. To to be righteous doesn't just mean always doing or not doing wrong things, it means also always doing the most right thing in mm-hmm. every situation, which is just mind-boggling and impossible. Yeah, Espe- we, for, can't even, for we can't even be aware of that. Yeah, like it's just beyond us, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you could argue that the only human being who ever had at least some measure of the power within themselves to be right before God, or humans, I guess, were Adam and Eve, and they botched it. Mm-hmm. And... I think we shouldn't be so proud as to think that we would have done a better job in their right. circumstances. Sure, sure. So that's the yeah, that's the situation we find ourselves. In. So we need we need a solution from outside of ourselves. We need we need an intervention um, 
that is beyond our control. We, 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 we need to have our hands off the steering wheel of whatever's going to fix this. Yeah. Because we would just mess it up if we, if we did. Yeah. And, and, and I think this is something that secular worldview understands because when they, when they promote hope, Mm. they, they say things like you're, you're not alone, Mm. which is a very helpful thing, Mm -hmm. right? You're not alone. There are people who are here for you. We can work through this together, mm-hmm. right? That is that is a pretty well-established and commonly agreed upon theme. And so I, I would say that they, in many ways, would acknowledge that it, it can become circular when that outside help mm. has nothing to offer other than it's within you. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, no, I agree. And, and to be honest with you, I've had a lot of conversations with Christian counselors who counsel who counsel in a secular context, right? Mm-hmm. That are just torn at the depths of their heart because they know the answer to a person's struggle, but they also know the context of their workplace and what they're allowed to say and not allowed to say. And they realize that they're patching lightly wounds of the people saying, peace, peace, when there's no peace. That's from Jeremiah 14 or 16. It says it a couple of times in that section. Um, and and what, what is being put forth is a Band-Aid on a broken arm kind of a thing. Um, and, and it becomes... It becomes a real battle from within because in some ways a lost world does need someone to just come along and offer common grace, mm-hmm. you know, and a, and a bit of good advice and, and a listening ear and, and those kinds of things. And so they're playing a valuable role in that place, uh, but they also themselves feel handcuffed and that they're offering something something short of good news. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, having worked in kind of the social services world for a couple of years back in the, in the past, um, in a group home setting, I definitely, definitely started to feel that. Um, it was part of probably part of the reason I burned out in that job, uh, or was beginning to burn out before I, I switched up because yeah, cause you're just dealing with very broken situations and, uh, and you're like, I know, I know what these young men need. Mm-hmm. more than anything. Right. And and I had I had the ability at times to have a to bring spirituality into the conversation in limited ways without getting in trouble, but it was it just got to the point where I'm like this is I just can't I can't sit here and watch this continue and and just knowing that you know the most effective the the only truly effective tool in my quote unquote, you know, toolbox um is is not allowed to be used yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take a soapbox here for a second do it um the world of biblical counseling is a world that i'm pretty entrenched in right now that's that's what my doctoral work is in um we're we're not doing a good job of this as the community of biblical counseling. And and the reason is we recognize these shortcomings in the secular worldview, uh, particularly in, in the care of the soul, the counseling place where we're, we're talking about these things. We recognize these things, uh, but we handle them in just a brutal fashion. And, and I just think it's unwarranted. There's no reason for us to come after these. So what we're trying to do here is, point out the shortcomings of the worldview. But to come after these people for their shortcomings is, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't know what we expect from these people or what we want from these people. Do we, do we want a lost world to be like, oh, it's not within you, it's within the power and the gracious offering of a loving God who's sovereign over all things and redeeming all things to himself? 
and has made a way of salvation for all those who would believe. Um, do we want them to have that without the Holy Spirit within them? Right. right? Are we asking for the impossible? Why don't, why don't, why doesn't the secular world hold a Christian worldview? Well, because if they did, they would no longer be in the secular world, right? And so, and so a lot of times it's like yelling at your dog because he's not a duck, right? right. It just doesn't make sense. And so, so while I would say there's shortcomings in it, mm. I, I'm just really sensitive lately to, to just how we go about, how aggressively we go about these things, mm. um, because it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I think you can have a loving and genuine conversation um, without just being like, you got this wrong, you got this wrong, you got this wrong, you got this oh, wrong, yeah, yeah. and and you've not received the enlightenment and the revelation of the Holy Spirit mm. to bring you from death into life and to show you the glory of God and his purpose for all of his creation. Mm. Yeah. Of, well, of course. Yeah. That's no. just that's just where they're at. And, no. and so the purpose then is not to just beat down their worldview. That's not what we're doing here. The purpose of that is to say, show them the person of Christ. Show them the gospel. Right. And should they be moved by the Holy Spirit and brought into salvation, then they will understand and they'll change. Mm. And apart from that, they're not going to. Well, I... Yeah, no, and I, I totally get that. I think, though, there is an opportunity when we see the brokenness in our world for Christians to address it in ways that they only they uniquely can. So, for example, like one kind of low-hanging fruit example is, you know, there's a lot of addictions counseling places mm-hmm. out there. Um, but as, to my knowledge, the one around here that has the, the highest success rate is Teen Challenge. Mm-hmm. Right, and they are a gospel-centered ministry. Right, right? Yep. now there's other factors too. It's a long-term commitment. There's other things going on with with Teen Challenge that make it so successful. But it's being run, at least partly, in you know, <clears throat> on biblical principles. We're being informed by Scripture and being you know being staffed by by Christians and believers. And so, while I think you're right to say we shouldn't expect. <laughs> we shouldn't expect holiness from people who don't even know the gospel. Um, and we have to be, you know, we have to be sensitive in how we approach it. I think there is opportunity for Christians to step into situations and say, not in a demeaning way, but just knowing we can do this better because God is on our side. Right. And and that's the that's the flip side to what I was gonna say, right? So the we we don't need to just come at secular mental health care mm-hmm. because it's not Christian mental health care. The flip side of that is the church at large needs to stop giving all of the weight of capacity to speak to mental health care, soul care to the world mm. who is operating from a broken standard yeah. outside of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Where yeah. they'll say, like, well, I mean, I'm struggling, and so I'm going to go to someone who doesn't know the regenerative work of Christ in all creation mm. to see how I can be made new. Yeah. And, and when Christians start there, in some ways we ourselves are working to deny the power of Christ within us mm-hmm. to bring us life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you, and can, you can apply that too to like beyond just even the like the mental health soul care side of things. I mean, let's talk about let's talk about education. Let's mm-hmm. talk about other kinds of health care, right? Like it's again it it's I think I think as the church we need to be open to really reevaluating you know who we who we let speak be the authorities on on all these issues. And that is not to say that just because someone's not a Christian, their opinion is invalid and, mm-hmm. and, and everything they say is wrong. No. Right. But they're missing a core component. They're missing that piece. They're, they're working out of the power of I am in the way that 
Joel Osteen would say, right? Mm-hmm. To the best of their knowledge, their education, all these things that they've been able to do. But but it's it's a purely it's a, a totally human endeavor. And we know that what we require at our core is something beyond what we were able to muster up themselves. So the world is ever only going to give us, even in the best case scenario, is only gonna, ever going to give us the the most that human beings, fallen humanity, can can figure out on their own. Right. And that's just not a good enough answer. Right. I will send counselees to um, psychologists and even psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. That is that is a thing that I will do because there are times when we have circumstantial, biological, chemical stumbling blocks in the way mm. that need to be cared for in a way that I don't understand. Sure, yeah. And those things can be reduced so that the noise floor is brought down so that the soul and the mind have opportunity to hear the truth of the gospel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And so that is not to say all of this just needs to be thrown away, and if you're going to any counselor who's not a, a biblically-based counselor, mm, right, then you're right. going to the wrong place, Yeah. right? That's not what—there are places for that. The question is, is the outcome— pointing us to self or is the outcome pointing us to one outside of ourself who has the capacity and the plan to heal us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah. that's that's the question that I would throw out in that situation because one is a pursuit of the good news mm-hmm. another one is blind leading blind right and and they can only go so far as to reducing stumbling blocks along the way mm-hmm. they cannot go from that into a new creation yep the old has passed away and behold all things have become new mm-hmm. and so i i would say that's fine if you're using secular counsel what's the what's the end goal right yep yep right yep no that's fair yeah okay well that was, I think, a helpful kind of rabbit trail because I think it connects it connects to the the significance of the gospel and how it kind mm-hmm. of transcends human ability on their own. I, I wanted to speak to some kind of themes that we find in the gospel and how it's presented and how it kind of flows through scripture that I think make it beautiful and desirable. There's there's things about it that that just to me anyways, and we'll see, you know, see how you and our listeners resonated with uh, with it. But I think the first one is the idea of fulfillment and faithfulness that we find in the gospel, right? So like from the very beginning, kind of the, the proto-evangelion, like pretty much as soon as everything goes sideways, there's already God hinting at a solution. And then that kind of advances through covenant with Abraham, right? Uh, you're going to be the father of many nations. What does that mean, right? Or you're, through your seed, through your offspring, all the world will be blessed or all the peoples of the world will be blessed, right? Okay, what does that mean? Then through the covenant of David, right? That one of his descendants is going to rule over God's people forever. And and then in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, like these promises of the new covenant, right? These these shifts, like these, these, these things that are pointing to the ultimate solution, right? These kind of like th- this, these, this foreshadowing and these hints that are dropped throughout, um, you know, when, when he says, you know, again, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, like, centuries upon centuries ahead of of Christ coming but the idea of you know I will forgive their iniquity I'll remember their sin no more right Isaiah chapter 11 Isaiah chapter 11 oh that's a good one too yeah 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 I had yeah I had Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 but yeah Isaiah 11 is is a great one too for these hopeful promises and then it's it's fulfilled it's fulfilled in Christ and there's something like there's something great about when you know uh, you know when people say like I love it when a plan comes together Oh like, yeah. Talk right, about right, right. talk about a lot of things coming together. Like all of these, all of these plans, all of these themes, all of these prophetic utterances, all of these covenant promises, the law itself, like just coming together in the fulfillment of of one person, of, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? And and then him doing what he needed to do, right? Atoning for living perfectly. That's always an important such an important part that we over like 
Jesus' perfect, sinless life is very important mm-hmm. to the gospel. And I think it's something we kind of we go straight to the cross, but his perfect his perfect obedience that that you know A plus report card that gets you know a, given to us it qualifies him to be the atoning sacrifice right it, and and as his righteousness is imputed to us it's the basis of our mm-hmm. justification before God um so anyways uh but yeah so all of that though that the fulfillment of all that and all like how we see how all of that comes together is just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Right? Like I it's it reminds me a little like I I get into these very um when I get to read for pleasure, which I actually just started reading a, a book for just enjoyment's sake alone. If it's uh, not the wing for the saga, I'm not, personally it's not personally attacked. I'm waiting till my kids are a little bit older. I'm I'm holding it off. I'm holding off. Um but it's this epic storyline where all of these various characters end up kind of culminating at the end of the series in this epic thing, right? And it's just, and then you look back on it, and you're like, wow, that is amazing how all of these kind of different streams come together. Is it the last battle from the Chronicles of Narnia? No, but it's like that, though. Yeah. It's that idea, right? And so, anyways, there's a beauty and a desirability in that, I think. I don't know, at least for me, that just, mm-hmm. there's a thing about that, that like, all of this makes sense. All of this has meaning. God's faithfulness is proven, over and over and over and over again. Um, I think also the mercy that we see in the gospel is beautiful, right? Like we think about how we experience mercy in our own lives. I mean, think of like, even when it's like a little thing, right? So I'm like, you know, you, you go to, you go to pay the bill and you know, they say like, Oh, it's on the house. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's just such a little thing. Right. And like you owed that you owed that money, but they say, nah, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Right. It's just like, oh, that's nice. Right. And so like, okay, so we take that and then then maybe we go to like, okay, we apologize to someone that we've wronged. Right. Like we've hurt them. We were out of line. And you apologize. You say, like, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. And they say, I forgive you. Like, that is beautiful. And then the forgiveness that comes through the gospel is just that but just exponentially bigger absolutely yeah and that's just a thing that makes us want to cry like when you when you hear about it when you see it like when you experience it like that mercy you're just like wow right like even uh, i saw this video of a guy whose son was murdered by this guy and they're in the courtroom and the, the father gets up and he says i don't hate you anymore like god has called me to forgive you and and love you and so that's what i'm gonna do and you're just like it's overwhelming right like and so anyway so it's just like there's a beautiful aspect and a desirable aspect for mercy right and and i would say i would say it's greater than that even in scope Mm, of course yeah right Or, or not not just in scope because one of the things that we talked about when we talked about the limitation of the individual to deliver themselves is you can't undo right so even human forgiveness can't undo mm-hmm. and in some ways to have wronged someone who would forgive you just makes the regret even greater <laughs> not only how could i have done that but how could i have done that to someone like that yeah, yeah. right you're gonna love this because it's hebrew all right okay in isaiah 57 mm-hmm. talks about the coming of the justifier the word there Sadak. Mm-hmm. Sadak, as the word justify, in some ways could be forgive as we're talking about in these human examples. Right. But the word Sadak is also used in the Old Testament to describe virginity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. purity. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about a forgiveness that's not just a bandaging of the wounds. Mm. And the person is healed, yet scarred, mm-hmm. but healed operationally mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a healing as if it never, as if the offense never took place. Right. And an undoing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of what was done, mm-hmm. which is obviously impossible for us but 
always the goal. Right. Yeah. Right? Forgiven or not, I, I wish I could just go back and undo. Yeah, well, you can't. Right? That's what we would tell someone. You mm-hmm. can't. You have to move on. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus sits there going, I can do that for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can undo it. Mm-hmm. As if it never took place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's just a level of innocence and purity mm-hmm. that the gospel offers. Mm-hmm. The world has no rebuttal to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the freedom that comes through the gospel is beautiful. Another mm-hmm. thing that just resonates with us, the idea of freedom, right? We are, you know, enslaved to sin and death. Um, and to be freed from that. Um, and we understand that like in this, you know, in the Christian life, we continue to, to wrestle with sin, right? Even Paul, right? I keep doing the things I don't want to do, right? So there is still a, a wrestling going on, but, but we're no longer bound by the eternal and permanent consequences of that. No longer a slave to sin. Yeah. Or my chains fell off. My heart was free. Mm-hmm. Right, like that, we sing about this kind of stuff because it is beautiful, right? Like this idea of freedom, right? Like, and and again, it's just another theme that, like, I think really resonates with people. Like, just coming back to this being an apologetics podcast, as we are explaining the gospel to people, you know, the the freedom that comes from it, I think, is 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 a really you know beautiful thing. I think adoption, the adoption. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, like, yeah, adoption is just beautiful i mean the idea of having a family having a home um the fact that it's not just a future reality but but um something that exists now for god's people mm-hmm. and i see in that there's like obviously the adoption there are a lot of people in this world you know who may or may not know their biological families that well but oftentimes there's a lot of brokenness there i mean hopefully not but but just to to have a place to have a family to be welcomed is just so important and i think but i think it also in that i see as an aside just a challenge for the church to be that in a better way mm-hmm. right like there are people you know even in in our local context there are people in our church that are either literal or spiritual or whatever like they're they're orphans in a sense. They have been orphaned in a sense. And no longer when they've come to faith because they've been adopted as right. we have by our father, which makes us family. And I think I think the church, not just this church, but the church, needs to really focus on identifying those individuals in particularly in, in particular rather and coming around them. Yeah. And we know who they are, right? And it's not it's not me and my wife with our nice little nuclear family, mm-hmm. right? We we know who these kinds of these kinds of situations are, and so the beauty of adoption that happens through the gospel, I think needs to be played out better in the life of the church. Um, yeah, I, I think I think inside of that too, um, I I literally had someone tell me one time, we want to see the church grow, but we want to see the church grow with people like us, right. <laughs> Right, that's what everyone says, right? But <laughs> and and maybe you would think like, oh, that's the kind of thing, that's families. the kind of thing that you think in your heart, but you would never say it out loud. But the person did, and they were like, they stood by it, right? Mm. Um, and I just think, why? Because that's lovable, and that's something that I can, I can deal with. Praise God that the Trinity didn't reflect on the fall of man and say, we'll save those, but only the ones like us. <laughs> because we don't want to dirty ourselves mm-hmm. with the complications mm. that some people bring. Mm. My goodness, where would we be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so I addressed it to say, I agree 100%. We have to define what you mean by us. Mm -hmm. If you mean those bound to hell, lost in our trespasses and sins, Mm -hmm. yet 
redeemed through the merciful atonement of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and called to be children of God, mm -hmm. yeah. then yeah, we, we need more people like us. Yeah. It's, it's humbling to reflect on this and it's because to be honest, there's a lot around, you know, church growth and church health strategies that are really, really focused on kind of attracting the, you know, upper middle class suburban nuclear family. Like, how do you get yeah. those ones in? It's right? organizational expansion. Right? Is what who's who's going to be able to serve and give long term? Mm -hmm. Who's going to cause you the least amount of grief with the most amount of benefits, right? And and again, of course we want families in our church. Like, And we have a lot of great young families and we're so thankful for them. But like, I just, I don't see that emphasis in approach being consistent with the ministry of Christ mm -hmm. in who he chose to target in his ministry. Um, you in, know, in fact, in fact, in a lot of ways it gets into what James is talking about when he talks about preferring mm -hmm. some people over the others, right? Yeah. In his case, he's talking particularly about the rich over the poor. Mm -hmm. uh, but in both cases, the argument is the one who has the most to offer you in return. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so anyways, and, and it's the beauty, the beauty of the gospel is that it is available. It is love made available for the unlovable. Yep. Yep. Amen. And we are to, as Christ's hands and feet, continue to extend that love. Right. Right. Like it's that. about what is offered and not what you have to contribute. Yeah. And so then that kind of leads to the the final this the final thing the final thing that I saw the final theme anyways in the gospel that I find beautiful. And you kind of touched on this already, right? The the one thing every everyone can agree on is that things could be better or should be better, mm -hmm. right? Redemption. Just the redemptive nature of the gospel and um you know, obviously the redemptive like the redemptive power upon, you know, individuals, like as, as you know, sinners saved by grace, um, like that is phenomenal. And the future redemption that, that we, you know, the glorification that we anticipate, but also just the redeeming of all things, right? Yeah. That creation that's right. groaning, um, like the restoration and expansion of Eden and that kind of, that kind of life, right? Like the world operating as it ought to, mm -hmm. right? The relation, like human beings relating to God, to one another and to the world around them in a restored and perfect way is that's the destiny. That, that's, that's, the, that's ultimately what the gospel achieves. And, um, you know, we rightly, we, you know, in our, presentation of the gospel emphasize the the you know the redemption of the individual right like you know you you're, you're a sinner you know condemned for that sin you know by you know by grace through faith in Christ you know through his atoning work on the cross and through the indwelling of the spirit like you can be changed you can be new and you know and that's wonderful and good but I think sometimes we just we forget to include in that the 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 broader scope of the redemptive power of the gospel, which mm -hmm. is, is, is goes beyond just humanity itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's where Isaiah 11 comes in so strong for me. Mm. Right. Uh, because the, the picture is the picture painted is in Isaiah 10 is bleak. Mm. It's the picture of a forest cut down and burned. Um, mm. And there's just nothing but smoldering stump left. Um, in the South, we have a plant called a crepe myrtle. Okay. Uh, I, I would, there, it's a, it's an entirely different plant, a different kind of plant altogether. But I, I think to, for the Canadian audience, I would say a lily of the valley would be a similar analogy. Okay. Once you plant them, you've got them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a portion of a root left, it's that gonna thing's go. going to grow. It's yeah. going to be. And, and that's what happens, right? Like there's this mm. cut down, charred uh, landscape, post-apocalyptic mm -hmm. kind of ruin, but out of the stump, mm -hmm. there's a shoot. 
Yeah. Yeah. And from it comes life and not just a not just fixing things, but undoing things that we wouldn't even think to fix. Right. Yeah. Right? Like why Isaiah needs to talk about kids playing with snakes. Right. <laughs> not because that is particularly significant, but because even that. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, just all things restored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. And and just handling it like there's just there's no worry, there's no care of it. Um it's just everyone and everything at peace. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not then just about the human spirit. It's about all of creation being harmonized. Mm-hmm. There is no secular equivalent mm-hmm. to calming of storms mm. and and the biological characteristics that would cause predator and prey to be at odds, mm-hmm. being shifted mm-hmm. um, because of a teaching or a mindset or whatever, right? It, it just is beyond that scope. Mm. But the gospel mm-hmm. says there is nothing beyond the scope. Mm-hmm. Far more, exceedingly more than you could ever hope or imagine. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That is the destiny that we await and right. we look forward to. Right. Right. And and if you if you can't put that forward as a more attractive option, mm-hmm. you're just not trying. Yeah. It's <laughs> great. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Bye.